Curb Your Enthusiasm Season 9, Episode 4 is over, but we're just getting started here on the Curb Your Enthusiasm Post Show Recap, a podcast about something. And now, here are the two guys who are never vying for the title of most pretentious man in the world. I'm Rob Sestrino, here with Akiva Winokur. Keith, how are you? I thought you were going to say, here are two guys who've never played Tiddlywinks before. <laughs> have you played Tiddlywinks? I would be lying. I have uh, played uh, Tiddlywinks, and I'm not talking about when I have one of these short-ass fly pants. <laughs> I don't know if Tiddlywinks are still around. I don't know if they made it, like, if you know, they made it past the millennial generation. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Akiva, have you ever had the pants with the short fly? I do think I have. Uh, some of these, like, Banana Republic pants I have mm-hmm. are... Are, are like very the flies are really short yeah okay. there's not a lot of space see i i don't think i wear pants that are trendy enough to have a short fly well my mom just gets me uh, it can't be like <laughs> hey can you get like you know the bigger fly pants? I don't know. <laughs> your mom gets the conversation yeah because what happens is like when i go to my mom's house she'll see that i'm like dressed like a hobo or a homeless person and she'll like give me her like uh credit card and say like go go uh you know buy yourself pants and then what invariably happens is she gives me literally a banana republic card why she has a banana republic card i have no idea and then i go there and they say are you melissa and i say no and they're like you have to you, you can't use this card and then i get suckered into paying for expensive pants myself that i would never have bought otherwise and then i have to do the awkward thing where like all right mom you owe me like 250 bucks but like really you paid for like my you know college and my life and like i probably owe you like five million dollars at this mm-hmm. point but still like i i I will if my parents owe me five dollars, I will ask them for it. Okay. But if I if I owed my parents a thousand dollars and they asked me to pay them back, I would never speak to them again. Mm-hmm. OK, never. I mean, that, that, that makes sense. I get that. Yeah. All Which right. is it's it, it was a great deal until my kid has to, like, go out with her friends and she's like, uh, let me borrow a 50. I'll bring you back change. And there's never any change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You know, so it's it's working the other way on me now. All right, Keith. So here we are to talk about episode number four. I was very hard on last week's episode that I did enjoy uh, this one. This one more. Yeah, people got mad at me. Yeah, in the in the comments, people were very upset. What? That, uh, that we were, I was too hard. They they said you were too hard. You opened with this episode stunk, and that we were burned out after too many podcasts. Is that think, what it was? Well, people were just. How can we like the that, first two? I think I I think people. Maybe we didn't have a ton of energy last week. I don't I don't remember anything about the show, but I, I do remember we didn't like the episode. I think when people like a show, they they want to hear that you like it, too. And like, it's fine to make fun of a bad show. You know, like we're talking about like Fuller House and we say it's stunk. Nobody would be like, oh, why are you being so why are you being such haters? Mm-hmm. But with like a show that's normally good. I, I like there are a lot of people who like last week's episode. We just happen not to like it. So okay. I think people took it personally. All right. So if something happens that doesn't make sense to me. I'll just say, well, I thought it was good. You just lie and say it was good. For sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. So basically, I need to, instead of being podcast Rob, now I have to be talking to my wife Rob. Okay. So now, even if I don't like something, now I have to just pretend that I like it. Yeah. Uh, no, look, if something's bad, if something's like objectively bad, then you don't have to pretend. You can say I didn't like it. <laughs> but if it's something people like, like, I can't say, like, hey, Star Wars stinks. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it. I'm sure it's great. Yeah. But I can't say Star Wars stinks because like, if you had seen every Star that. Wars movie and then a new mm-hmm. one came out that you thought wasn't good. Yeah. Like the Phantom Menace. <laughs> That's what I <laughs> hear. One of them. No, yeah. 
But I no, but I, I I think people have an attachment to it. And so they don't want they're coming here for us to like, I don't know. I don't I'm not saying I agree with them. Okay. I just think I All right, well, let's not get I too hung up on this. I, I, thought, okay, this was, I thought this was fun. Last I'm night. over it. This okay. is good. Yeah, we're not going to rag on this episode. It was perfectly fine. OK, uh, so uh, running with the balls and uh, pour one out for uh, poor uh, nephew Kenny Funkhauser. <laughs> This is, did this bum you out at all that they killed off Kenny Funkhauser? I mean, it's it's in hindsight, you know, it's really a tradition that they kill off members of the Funkhauser family. This is literally the third Funkhauser funeral we've had on the show. So in, in hindsight, it is very funny. This was lost I, on me. Yeah, I do think, you know, we had the Ida Funkhauser one. We had another one in season four. I do think that it was such a like Kenny Funkhauser was it was like an interesting enough character that anyone who's watching the season would obviously remember in two seconds. You're not going to people are like, hey, are you someone even wrote in like, hey, should they have like shown his death or done more about his death? Like, I just don't think Larry was responsible for this guy's death by like befriending a prostitute and, and giving right. him to this kid. They did nothing with that. Right. That, that didn't, right. It doesn't even like wasn't even at the funeral. Somebody saying like. That wasn't the big reveal, right? Like Marty you know, Funkhauser didn't even mention it, and he knew. <laughs> the yeah. only thing he didn't do was like shake Larry's hand, basically. Right. Yeah, that was uh, you know a little odd that nobody seemed to uh, be concerned about that. And really, now it to was, be fair, Funkhauser was in on it. He Marty was in Funk, on it. Funk. He was in on it. Yeah. But it was a series of unfortunate events that began with Larry wrestling him for a pickle jar. Which ultimately ended his life. Yeah, pickles are dangerous. I, I also think that you know Funkhauser obviously feels guilty here. By the way, this violates my rule. Like Funkhauser was essentially the parent at this funeral. Mm-hmm. Maybe his parents were too heartbroken. They appeared to be sitting up yes, front. The rule about people that uh, talk about their nieces and nephews like they're Carrie, their I mean, yeah, you're allowed to give a eulogy at your nephew's funeral, but like he liked him a little too much. He said he was like his favorite person in the world. Right, can't like your niece or nephew that much. That's against my rules. Right. Akiva, do you think that it was more comedically acceptable for Kenny Funkhauser to have been killed in this manner because he was a person with red hair? It would have been funny if if that was mentioned. I, I feel like we got in a little trouble going after the redheads. People were like, I stand with redheads. And then, yeah, well, I didn't go after them. You did. Well, I, I admitted to like wanting you were to the bully. Anti-gingite, like, as very appropriate I was anti-gingite. That's shows true. Up. Right. That's right. And, and then and then it became more of a thing in, in, on your podcast on Survivor, in the next, right in the next week. Yeah, um, it's been a tough it, no, month. I don't think I don't. Yeah, tough, very tough month for the juniors, and it's not over. I mean, you know, if I was Andy Dalton, I would watch out next week. Mm-hmm. I think I no, I think the kid was likable enough. I don't. I don't think. Uh, you know, he didn't die because he was ginger. If that's right. what you're implying. And then his actual photo was trampled at the end of the episode. Yeah. Very disrespectful to the memory of of Lil Funk. OK. All right. Well, let's start off this episode. And uh, we had seen Brian Cranston in the trailer for Curb Your Enthusiasm. He is Larry's therapist in this episode. Uh, some people will call him Dr. Templeton. Uh, that uh, Cheryl will be able to call him by his first name. Uh, so Larry with uh, Doctor Templeton. What did you think of Cranston overall in this episode, Keith? He was the straight man, right? He he was not a particularly goofy character, other than like his one request about patient doctor confidentiality. Uh, so it was it was interesting that they had him go straight man, but and they used him a lot. You could they opened with him, they closed with him. They clearly wanted to get their money's worth with Cranston. But I did. I did like him. I think it's a memorable stint for Cranston. Better Cranston 
uh, comedic physician, uh, Tim Watley or Dr. Templeton? I no question Watley. I mean, Watley's an icon. Templeton will be lost to, to time. But why is uh, Watley an icon? Was there any specific character trait that he had? Like he was involved in Watley, a number of storylines. Watley is like the goofy soup Nazi Jimmy type character. Whereas here, Larry David is being the goofy soup Nazi character, you know, by obsessing about the watch and, and about the chair. And Templeton is mostly the straight man. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Larry is in therapy and he's talking about this dream that he has where he's with 71 virgins missing the 72nd virgins. Now, Keeve, to me, Larry David is a sort of the target of this fatwa. I mean, under what circumstances is he the recipient of 72 virgins? Right. I guess I guess he thinks. I don't know. I, I think it's just on his mind. I think the whole culture has been on his mind. He's thinking a lot about uh, it. Right. He's thinking a lot about it in his sleep. Yeah. Right. What do you think the issue is? Do you think there was only 71 or do you think Larry counted wrong? I think you count. I mean, 71 is like once you get into the 70s, I don't know. Like, what's the most you've ever counted? <laughs> like the most people? Uh, probably. Sometimes I'm in, I'm in synagogue and I'm trying to count how many people are there if I'm like a little bored. Do you don't so, estimate, you can, though? I do. get. I do estimate. I always estimate. Yeah. Not looking um, for like a specific but, head count. No, I'm not looking for a head count, but I, I'm always like, all right, that's 10, that's 10. I, I do in clumps of 10. To count by 1 to 71, like, if aren't there people moving around in this, like, harem-type room? Like, it's very, and then you have to recount again. Some move from, like, the left side of the room to the right side of the room. It's very hard to count 72 people. Mm-hmm. Why is Larry fixated on the number? Well, he was promised 72, and, and you by know, who? he's Larry. Who promised well, him 72? I, I guess Allah? I'm not sure. <laughs> Larry is not happy with the chair in Dr. Templeton's office. Uh, yeah. No, I, by the way, they did a good job of picking the chair. That chair does look uncomfortable. And if both chairs were like that, you wouldn't notice. But Watley having the much better chair, I feel like is a bad move by him. Yeah. And so he wants to know what's going on. Has anybody complained about that? You've taken the good chair. And I, I did like the back and forth where... Uh, Dr. Templeton is talking about how that he is there to help Larry and how he's uh, really helped him. And Larry's like, ah. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 you know, Larry sort of like non selling that he's, uh, a, 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 you know, like a good therapist is funny. I love when Larry says, I'm often never honest with you. <laughs> like that. I lie to you. I thought that was really funny, too. Yeah. When do you think he started seeing Templeton? Like during the actual divorce? Has it been seen for years? I got the sense that it was uh, once the fatwa happened. I thought it was in like very recently. Yeah, you're probably right. They seem to know each other. So it's clearly not their first or second session. But yeah, I think you're right. Because I can't imagine that during the divorce, Cheryl would say, OK, look, it looks like you're going through a hard time. Why don't you also talk to Dr. Templeton that I go and see? I think you get I think at the art therapist. show. He, he references that like the fatwa is probably the reason he's seeing the therapist. So I think you're right. Yeah. And um, that he accuses Dr. Templeton of a sneaky watch peek. Uh, Dr. Templeton denies it. But I think that we can uh, surmise that there was a sneaky watch peek that happened. Yeah, it is a tricky move, you know, to constantly look at your watch. I don't know why. Like, it's it, what's worse, the watch or the phone with a, with a watch. You're clearly looking at the time with a phone. You'd be looking at the time. You could have an emergency text from your wife. Mm-hmm. I guess the watch is, is classier if you're a therapist than the phone. Yeah. Well, I mean, Larry has a very good solution. It's almost uh, unimaginable that Dr. Templeton has not come up with this solution on his own. 
Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like with the chair, the only person who would ever bring it up is Larry. You know what would bother me about therapy? What? Especially like, first of all, how much do you think a session with Cranston costs in in Los Angeles? Brian Cranston or Dr. Templeton? Dr. Templeton, but the type of therapist that Larry and Cheryl would be going to. Well, I think the tricky thing is, is it covered by insurance? Is it a copay or no, are you paying your? No, I no, 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 no. They're paying private. How do you know? I mean, is therapy covered by insurance? Yeah, depending on your I don't health think plan. Most therapy is. No, this is fancy private therapy. Let's assume it's fancy private therapy. I, I think I'm pretty sure that you can get you if you uh, there is some coverage. I'm sure there is. But I also think that let's just pretend that this is not because okay. I feel like a lot of people are not. Covered. I'll say uh, $300 an hour. I think L.A., first of all, nobody's getting an hour. He's probably getting 45 minutes. Right. Because you want yeah, he wants to have minutes, time between right. sessions and start on the hour. 45, 50 minutes. I, I, I think in L.A., you're probably looking at closer to 500 bucks. Closer to 500. OK, that's my guess. I don't know anything about it. therapy or L.A. I think five hundred dollars. Four, let's say four twenty. Well, n- not to make a joke, some somewhere in the four hundred range. Yeah. Um, and my problem would be, let's say it's a fifty minute session. Let's say it's even three fifty, and every minute is seven dollars. That would drive me insane. Like literally, you know, dropping a pen on the floor and picking it up—that's like a dollar. <laughs> well, how long would that drive you, pick you up crazy? <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe it fell behind my chair, which is a bad chair. Okay. Yeah, if it's if it's literally eight seconds, it's it's a dollar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I guess that the thinking is it's worth it. I know, but it's just I'm sure long term it's worth it, but short term it's like let's say you have to run to the bathroom in the middle. That's like a ten dollar bathroom visit. Yeah, I, I think the only people that are going to it are the people that it's not bothering them. Yeah, but why do you think only normal people go to therapy? Mm. If I had, I, I have anxiety. This okay, would bother me. Then if don't I was going to go a to a therapist in Beverly Hills, Keeve. What can well, I tell what, you? Let's say I live in Beverly Hills. Where am I supposed to go? I'm supposed to drive down to Tijuana for yeah. therapy? I yeah. don't understand. Get on the 10. Get Go, go somewhere that's not in Beverly Hills. And then okay. you can I'll find drive, a more I'll affordable therapist. The, okay. It's not going to be much more affordable. All right. Well, then, Kiva, then you have to move. I, I don't know what you want me to tell you. <laughs> I have to move out of California because therapy is too expensive. Come live in the valley with me. So in the, I guarantee you. Look up the nearest therapists. I guarantee you, they're not charging. Maybe they're not charging three fifty. Maybe they're charging two seventy five. Look, you, you're talking out of your butt right now. You don't know what you're talking about in terms of the geography of California. <laughs> That's definitely true. I it's definitely a whole don't. different world out here, Keeve. Yeah. All right. I think therapy is expensive. <laughs> it is expensive. You. It is covered by some insurance. And okay. You can, you know, go to a different, you know, you could find something in your price range. I'm going to need a therapist when this is all done. Okay. All right. Because this is therapy. Every week we're talking. Now I'm going to have, when this is done, I'm going to have nobody to talk to. I'm going to have to pay someone. You do this for free for me. You don't charge me any money. I'm going to have to pay someone $350 to take your place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like $7 a year. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) But anyway, Keeve, so we find out that uh, Dr. Templeton he also goes out every night with his wife during truffle season. I did not know there was truffle season. Do you know this modern Twitter version of season where you spell it S-Z-N? No, no. This is another thing that See, you're ahead of me. This is why it's useful for me. You should be, you should be charging me 350 I should be charging you, I mean, yeah. $350 a session. Last week you, you, taught, all these you told me about milkshake duck, and now I learned yeah, about milkshake season. Duck. Yeah, you, but you didn't know what like fleek was or woke or no, anything. No, I knew started. about fleek before you. <laughs> Okay. Before me or before, before I told before you? Before you, yeah. 
No, this is like an I, argument I, I about, I have with chess. Well, don't don't get into a chess argument. I didn't I didn't wasn't sitting there waiting for you to explain Fleek to me. No, I think Fleek may have predated the Seinfeld show. Mm. I probably didn't teach you woke, but I don't think woke predates the Seinfeld yeah. show. Yeah. Okay. Um milkshake duck. People were into the milkshake duck. <laughs> okay. Uh, a, lot, a lot of people getting milkshake duck also on the line. <laughs> Richard Lewis has an art yeah. gallery or has his uh, art featured were you buying that richard lewis is a, a painter yeah i don't think it's so crazy i think he's an artist I, the idea that he's sitting at home painting he's like a tortured soul i actually do believe that okay i, I don't buy that richard lewis would sit there and paint i mean what else is he doing he has one friend who hates him mm -hmm. yeah you know he's he's between girlfriends like i don't i don't i don't think he's got anything better going <laughs> he's on. wearing a crazy outfit like he is in the uh sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band and uh, that everybody, they're, they're making fun of what he's wearing. Uh, they ask him, are you vying for the title of the world's most pretentious man? And I did like it when the Richard Lewis self-portrait, they said, when is this you from 50 years ago? Yeah, it really did look like a, it was a good portrait of a young Richard Lewis. I agree. Of a young Richard Lewis. And yeah, Richard Lewis uh, still shrinking, still, you know, uh, aging as every, each scene goes by. Yeah, he he is. I, I did like how they panned, kept panning down to as to his coat, which got more and more pretentious the further down it went to the floor. Yeah, it's like a dress. It is a dress. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is where we find out the news. Uh, Kenny Funkhauser has died. He went to go run with the bulls with the prostitute that Larry introduced him to two weeks ago. He was enamored uh, with her. He wanted to impress the prostitute. Um. Like the who's paying for the the whole trip? He's paying for this entire trip. Is he paying for her time? Is she there like as a friend of his? Is she there as a prostitute? Why is she not at the funeral? Did she also get gored? I have a lot of questions with the prostitute. Yeah, I mean, you would imagine that like some sort of a relationship would be. I mean, what if she got up at the sorry? What if she gets up at the funeral and says, "Ever since Larry introduced me to, um." You know, like say like you know he st I started as a prostitute but w by the time he died I was his girlfriend ever since Larry introduced me to him and then there's like a gasp from the crowd like he introduced her to this prostitute who killed him mm -hmm. you know I don't know maybe that works yeah I will say that I did think that the ending to the episode is a little soft and maybe that's a way to end with a, a little more punch a little more bite on the ending yeah Ever, the take of people who like this episode is that the ending are we you allowed know, to say that? Are we, is that okay? What? That the end? Yeah. No, I liked the it. Is not the I, part I thought of this it was episode. good. The ending. Oh, uh, yeah. You, you, there's a little too much singing. If you like something, but you're, if you're trying to pretend you like something, you like. It was yeah. fine. I li it was a good ending. Yeah. You, the, you know, you protest uh, a little too much <laughs> with uh, <laughs> the squeakier like someone's voice gets when they when they're saying that when they say that, <laughs> the less believable it is okay um so do you like the subplot about funkhauser's daughter that's transitioning no it goes nowhere i i could only assume what if it's set up was, for something down the road then fine then then i have no way of judging it but if it was maybe supposed you know if it was supposed to be a larger piece of this week's episode which was only 31 minutes the shortest episode so far this season mm -hmm. which i don't think so but again sometimes with the fact that the show doesn't have a real script it's hard to tell what went from like zero to two references and what went from eight to two. Mm -hmm. You know, like, is this just the throw in that we but Larry is shockingly unwoke when he when he uh, misgenders 
the um Funkhauser's um uh son. Right. Yeah, Funkhauser's son. And even which Funkhauser does too, right? He he initially references it uh, references his his daughter and then switches to his to his son. Yes. Uh, and then, but Larry, who's like woke in real life. So here's my question, and this is not the first time we've seen it this season. Is this like Larry being insensitive, and we're supposed to think it's funny that he's insensitive, or is it Larry being insensitive, and it's like, well, that's that's Larry. He's you know, are we rooting for him or against him in this moment? You know what I mean? It, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I think that uh, the joke is that he does not uh, kowtow to uh, political correctness. And I think that he just But I think he does mind. in real life. Yes. Okay, well, that's the real Larry David. But fictional Larry David is, you know, uh, he's not afraid of any repercussion that might come from being so crass. Which is fine. So is the joke our hero, the protagonist of the show, who's in virtually every scene, is is a cranky 70 year old who's who's no longer up with the time right it's a weird sort of story to be telling <laughs> well i think that that's the story we're telling Keith. you know what i mean it's like <laughs> i've lost my fastball but i'm still here and even like for the first time we've had people comment on how crazy larry is when he leaves the room we talked about it in the first episode where ted and cheryl have that you know like uh that conversation which ends up being very telling uh like wow he's he's the strangest man i've ever met and then we we sort of stay in the room with with Brian Cranston after Larry leaves and you know, he basically talking to himself about how weird LD is in this episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, the show's becoming like too self-aware, I think. Maybe, maybe uh, Larry ends up talking with Cheryl and he asks her if she noticed the chair. She has not. No, because a normal person would not notice it. I love that. Cheryl's like, what do you talk about in therapy? Yeah. <laughs> but Cheryl Hines comedic timing is really great. She's really great. And I'll say this also, I think she looks great. Yeah, she does look great. So Larry mentions here that uh, it's truffle season. He mentions that uh, the doctor uh, and his wife uh, really enjoy <laughs> truffles. I am team Larry on the truffles also. I don't even know what truffles taste like. Yeah. I'm out of this conversation. Okay. Uh, Larry is in the bathroom. And uh, this is when we find out about his short fly issue. He is having a hard time uh, unsheathing. Is that would that be the, the right verb to use here? Yeah, that's good. You could say unspooling, but I unspooling. Like that's like promising too much. I think unsheathing is a good word here. And he's having an issue. I thought this would be a bigger deal in the episode, but it really just ends up being a means to an end to get Larry to know about Barney's so that Jeff could go and go to the sale. It's also I almost think that, you know, this is the first time where it's like, all right, we're going to get Leon in a scene in all 10 episodes. And we've had this before, right, where it's like there's. Something else happens and it's just an excuse to like go home and talk to Leon about mm -hmm. it. Okay. So Larry is talking with Leon and says that the issue is where Larry buys his pants. That's why Leon buys uh, his pants from Jamaica because they understand his issue. He talks about how he also has an issue with he ends up uh, having his member submerged uh, when he goes to the bathroom. Is Leon being apocryphal here with this uh, story of his harrowing experiences in the bathroom? Or do you think that he is being literal? I, yeah, I don't think he's being literal. I think he's trying to sell it as being literal. He's not joking with Larry, but I, I just I, I think he's there's a little bit of uh, an exaggeration. 
a little bit of exaggeration. Yeah. Larry calls him out. Larry's not buying it. Yeah, that almost seems impossible. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, we then have Jeff come in and there was a woman that was spotted at the Funkhauser funeral uh, that she was a very attractive woman who was a realtor. And so they kick Leon out and then Jeff explains about how that he was out with the realtor and then he and the realtor had sex. Now, this is not the first extramarital affair that Jeff has had in Curb Your Enthusiasm, right? Oh, no, definitely not. Definitely not. It is he's, odd, uh, He's though, a Lothario, Jeff. Yes, that we don't see this in a lot of, especially in television, where we have sort of like likable characters mm. who are adulterers. Yeah, it's a good point. I, I I would I would quibble with the description of Jeff as likable. You don't but think he's it, li- he's a likable person on the show? I mean, he's treated that way. Yeah, he. I guess he is. I mean, he's an agent, so like agents are sort of supposed to be a little shady, right? Mm-hmm. So I think we expect less of an agent than maybe we would of a normal, you know, regular person, right? Like even in in Entourage, like Ari Gold, I, I don't believe ever. Uh, did he ever cheat on his wife? I think he probably did. But I don't know. What do you I don't call think up your so. brother? I don't, I don't, text your brother. And I'll ask text him. An I feel like that it is that half the audience turns on him instantly as soon as he ends up cheating on his wife. You know, I think Jeff Garland is an interesting test case. You definitely bring up a good point. I think that he's a funny character. I love his character on the show. He's probably popular on the Goldbergs, which I've never seen. Mm-hmm. My wife watches. I think your wife watches yeah. too. I, I the dad on the Goldbergs de- had an affair. It would be all over. He's divisive. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think like a lot of people don't like him. But yeah, no, the the, the overall point stands. I think like that he, he has an, an affair to almost zero repercussions is an interesting sort of subplot here. Yes. Now, Keeve, I have a lot of questions about this that I need to talk through with you. Number one, at the end of the episode, Susie seems to know about the affair. How does she find out? I, th- I think it's just her female intuition. It's a it's a good question that the show should have done a better job explaining. Uh, but I also don't uh, think it's- I, well, I thought they did a good job of explaining it. I got I, I got I got this guy apologizing for every scene here. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that um, because here's my question. Yeah, she's also she's kind of trapping him because maybe right. if he's innocent, there's no way he could, he would agree to buy the house. But she's sort of trapping him in that if he's guilty. Maybe his punishment is just buying this expensive house. Because this is what I was thinking. I I was in Mm -hmm. that Susie knows Jeff somewhat well, obviously not as well as as maybe uh, she might need to know him. But does is is she figuring out like my idiot douchebag husband? He's not interested in buying a house. Here's this sexy realtor and he just wants to be around her nonstop. And so. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to say that and I'm on to him. Like, does she not know to the extent that he has been having sex with this woman? Because Susie, who is ill-tempered by even the most, you know, complimentary assessment, you would think that she would basically be knocking both of their heads together. Right. Like clumping them together, uh, Three Stooges style. Right. Um. Could yeah, Susie be civil to this real estate agent or to Jeff if she knew what was going on? I mean, some people with cheating, it's like you it's it, obviously it's been a big story in the news recently of, of men cheating and, and obviously obviously doing much worse things. But Susie looks like the how, other way, you think? 
yeah, it's like there is a little bit of like, well, what the wife think? A marriage and it's like, of oh, convenience. We, yeah, or or it's like, what I if I find out, I'm going to kill you, but don't let me find out. That sort of thing. Right. She does ask to see the bedroom, which sort of implies that she knows what's going on. So, okay, so th- that's my my biggest question there. And uh, mm-hmm. the other side of this is the real estate agent. Is this a long con on her end? To why is she having sex with Jeff? With all due respect to the very funny and talented Jeff Carlin. Yeah. So is this like another prostitute angle? Is it like, well, I'm not saying she's a prostitute, but is this a understand? But is it like worth her time just like to maybe help her make a sale? Right. I mean, this is like a several million dollar house. So that you would think that the uh, time put in here, I think, would be worth it. Yeah. Uh, it's a good question. Is she attracted I don't know. We to Jeff? Why is she? Yeah, we don't know anything about her motivation. She seems to be just taking Jeff Garland from house to house and having sex with him. Yeah, we really only, you know, we get her giving the tour in the I last mean, he's scene. funny. Hear, oh, yeah. Is that funny? I mean, listen, Susie liked him. Very funny. Know, once upon a time. Yeah, right. He was a great catch. Right. Okay. So he can't believe it. And also he gets cookies everywhere. Yeah, the cookies are hard to turn down. Yeah. I like when Leon comes back and they're yelling at him like, we told you to go away. You didn't say I couldn't come back. Yeah, there's a bunch of really sneaky, great Leon uh, quotes there. He also says, uh, first of all, when he at the very end of the scene, he's like, all right, tell me where this house is. Mm -hmm. As as if, as you know, it's like open to anyone who wants to come sleep with the host of the Mm -hmm. open houses. Yeah. But also like when 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 uh, when Larry says, how did Jeff get in? And and he's like, the door was unlocked. And it's like, you left the door unlocked? And Leon's like, we've never had that conversation. If you've ever, if you've ever had, like, an incompetent employee, that's what they'll always say. Mm-hmm. Well, you didn't tell me that, you know, like, the most, literally most basic thing I have to do. Mm-hmm. So we've never had this conversation. So it's a pretty funny uh, aside there. Leon really, when he opens his mouth, gold just, like, flows out. Yeah, he's uh, fantastic. All right. So we see Larry back in therapy. And uh, Dr. Templeton is upset. Because Cheryl has brought him a gift and Larry has broken the patient doctor confidentiality. Yeah. Flipping the other way from doctor patient. I never knew it existed, but Templeton's pretty serious about it. Yeah. Had this actually happened to someone? Where did the genesis from this idea come from, Keith? Well, my only problem, and we've discussed already in the first three episodes, reusing storylines. And, you know, definitely... Could make a case that some of that happens in this episode. I know you didn't feel that way, but I I, I feel that way. Uh, is that in a very recent episode in terms of, you know, chronology of the show, not not in terms of, uh, you know, because only this season has ha- happened in the last five years. But the Bill Buckner episode, right, has the same thing where where a doctor says, like, you know, I can't tell you my client's name, but one of my clients who directed Star Wars used to say, mm-hmm. you know, like he would just like name drop his clients without saying their name. So it just seems like we're going back to the same well, like five episodes later. Mm-hmm. Well, in fairness, it was like six years ago. Yeah, they probably forgot they did it. <laughs> OK, so we see, though, that uh, Dr. Templeton is receptive to some of Larry's ideas that he has the clock. Larry is very excited about that. Um, also, Dr. Templeton knows about this Barney's warehouse sale. Um, Dr. Templeton is familiar with the uh, tiddlywink strategy also of uh you know of uh <laughs> unspooling yeah I, I like I, I like that he won't acknowledge the clock thing but he's certainly willing to discuss this with him yeah and so the tiddlywink thing must be something they tell they taught people in school because it seems like everyone knows it right 
Now, but, uh, you know, tiddlywink to me, though, is, you know, have you ever played that? Do you know what that is? I know what it is. I don't have like, I have a picture of them in my head. Right. It's like, but you're like taking like a chip and like flipping another chip with it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would not describe uh, that action as tiddlywinks. You're saying it's a leap. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's just a funny word, tiddlywinks. That's why they're saying. Sure. <laughs> so Larry wants to go chair shopping with Dr. Templeton. Right. Templeton at this point is not having any of it. No. Okay. Uh, Larry goes to the restaurant with Richard Lewis and Richard Lewis, we find out, will always get to the restaurant before Larry so that he can get the good seat. Right. Um, yeah, I, I never really thought about like seats in restaurants and what's a good seat and what's not a good seat, honestly. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not mentioned, but Richard Lewis sits underneath the giant painted picture of Richard Lewis. Larry does not seem to take offense to the fact that not only does he have to look at Richard Lewis, he has to look at this Richard Lewis painting. Although you would rather look at the Richard Lewis painting than the real Richard Lewis. Right. The issue is that he wants to see the door for fatwa purposes. Right. Right. But yeah, I mean, the- so it's kind of selfish of Richard not to respect the fatwa. Yes. Yeah. I got to respect the fatwa. But you would think that that would at least be mentioned in the scene of why did you pick this restaurant? Why do you have to sit underneath the picture of you? I mean, that it's uh, mentioned that a restaurant wanted this picture, but now they have to eat at this restaurant and sit underneath the picture of Richard Lewis. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I like when they fight about how early they're going to get there. Uh, Richard Lewis says he's going to get there before the owner. Right. No, that is a funny scene where they keep topping each other and like they're going to wake up at seven, six thirty. He's going to sleep there. Mm hmm. Yeah. All right. So Jeff is continuing to have sex uh, at all the different houses in uh, Brentwood. Uh, she's so stylish. They said they said HBO back like 10, 10 years with with that scene. Which, which scene? Where you just like hear them doing it and and she's just yelling like real estate catchphrases at Jeff. Make me an offer. Yeah. Well, you didn't like that. It was funny, but it's just it, it was just like so cartoony. And and Jeff, which I think we've heard him make that noise before, like, oh, yeah, when he's done, it's like the like the craziest noise you've ever heard in your life. I mean, this show, anytime people are having any sort of like uh, adult relations, I mean, it's always like ridiculously cartoony. Oh, yeah, though, no, they film it like they film it basically as if it's animated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. All right. Larry gives the tip to Jeff of you should go to Barney's. Uh, then you could be more stylish like the real estate agent. Uh, yeah. No, I, I, I love that she's so hung up on, on the Barney stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Like uh, that they're all hung up, that everyone's hung up on like, well, where do you get this tip from? As if it's impossible <laughs> for someone to, to have heard this, uh, this piece of news. Yeah. All right. Susie comes in busted. I saw you in the car with another woman. Jeff explains. I think her friends saw her. Yes. Okay. So she got the word and uh, Jeff explains, well, that woman was a real estate agent. Yeah. I, I mean, again, this is like, I don't know if the woman followed them and like, that's how Susie knows, but. You know, it's it's not a, like there's I it's pretty it's we're saying that it's not clear that like how did Cheryl know. But if he's really gallivanting around, she knows her husband. He's not interested in, in going like surprise house shopping without telling Susie. It's probably something he'd send Susie to do. So it's it, you know, it, she's not really it's not much of a stretch for her to ever assume that they're having this affair. Well, the fact that she uh, knows her husband and knows that, okay, he's dressing nicely, but does she think that they're actually sleeping together? I, I, I don't think she's 100% sure. I think she's 98% sure. This was a very sure. muted response from Susie of, we'll take the house. I mean, this is the same woman we saw punch Larry in the face in the season premiere. Yeah. Over getting foisted. 
Right. Over the voice. Yeah. I think she's 98% sure. Uh, she's got, re- you know, reasonable doubt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So we go to the Kenny Funkhauser service and Larry wants to reserve a seat in the back so that he can see anything that's going on with the fatwa. Larry is either very concerned about the fatwa or not concerned at all about the fatwa. Uh, right. The alternate scenes almost <laughs> and like in some scenes. It's a it's a threat. And in some t- scenes, it's it's not an issue at all. Yeah. So at first, he starts off by giving the guy five dollars, and uh, after the guy says no, and he's like, "Sir, this is five dollars." And then Larry gives him another bill. What does Larry give him the second time? A twenty? I think twenty. Do you know who the guy is? No. Uh, he is uh, the host of one of my favorite podcasts, Sean Clements from Hollywood Handbook. Okay. There you go. The Clem Dog. Yeah. And uh, by the way, a big night for them. Uh, he, I think he, you know, the show Ghosted. It's a new show on Fox. Mm-hmm. I think he wrote last night's episode, which happened to be on TV. And his co-host of that podcast, uh, the show on After Curb, I believe Vice Principals, was written by the other Hollywood Handbook. Wow. They're all over TV last night. And they're not out of the podcast game now at this point? Uh, no, they got all that sweet, sweet podcast money. Wow. They they did a bit for about six months where every episode was the last episode. Mm-hmm. And like fans were panicking. But now the bit is over. So hopefully they're not, uh, you know, they're not they're not quitting. So it would make me very sad. Okay. Dr. Templeton arrives and Larry gives him a big hello. Uh, He gets a very muted hello from Dr. Templeton. Do we buy that Dr. Templeton gave Larry the funeral hello or did he not want to see him? Right. It's also could it be a a patient doctor confidentiality thing where if you see your therapist in public, right, or a doctor, whatever, if they if the if the patient says hello to the doctor, you can say hello back. But you're not supposed to lead off because then you're saying like, hey, you're my client outside the office, right? Right. But right. But maybe he just wants to nod and not get into it. His wife's there. I think his wife is a big issue. We don't really understand why his wife hates Larry so much. Mm -hmm. Is she like nervous to be around him because of the fatwa? It seems like she detests him. And like, what if like, oh, she's like she hates Seinfeld and she loves friends. (laughs) So she doesn't want to be around. That's why. And then it's like very meta. Well, I got the sense like, that she's friends wildly. with Cheryl, and I'm sure Cheryl has probably yeah, told Yeah, you know what? That's what it is. Cool. We find that after. You're right. Because she's friends with Cheryl, she probably knows all these insane things that Larry did. Yeah, so that's, that's why. That's a good call. You got to pick pick a side, and she is team Cheryl. But also, boy. is it the... Because, because Templeton believes in patient-doctor confidentiality, is it possible that he feels that Larry should not be acknowledging him outside the office because that's breaking up their circle. Hmm. Yeah. You're killing independent. Like Larry, yeah. Larry's not allowed to do it. It's, you know, it's the same way that that, uh, you know, that that the, the therapist wouldn't be allowed to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe. Maybe. So Larry asks Cheryl if uh, what kind of hello she got. And um he gave a very friendly hello and he's also upset with uh, that. He says that Cheryl got him in trouble with Dr. Templeton. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that first of all, I love the scene where I where he is like so animatedly like yelling about not, you know, not snitching to, to, to Jeff about where he found it, found out about the sale. Mm-hmm. I just think anything with Templeton here, I, I think is really good other than the wife stuff. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that, <laughs> Larry is being asked uh, by, you know, Jeff is wearing the three piece suit. Susie likes it. And he says to Susie that Larry told him about the Barney's warehouse sale. 
And so as Dr. Templeton is standing behind Larry, that he is asked point blank, how did you know about the Barney's warehouse sale? And he says that he cannot tell it's confidential information. He's not at liberty to say, and this is really arousing suspicion from Susie. Yeah. Why can't he just tell her, uh, you know, I heard it on the radio, heard it on the radio. I don't know. She seems to have a lot of follow up questions. Yeah. Way too many follow up questions. I, I feel like my wife has done this, too. Like, why are you, what are you asking me this for? Like, this is the least interesting thing I've ever heard. Yeah. What do you care? Why do you care? Yeah. And then the more you say that, the more uh, she wants to know. Oh, you're hiding something, aren't you? Yeah. OK. And so uh, Larry ends up uh, calling Dr. Templeton by his first name. Well, what was Dr. Templeton's first name? Oh, shoot. I didn't write it down. Yeah. On IMDb, they don't have it either. Yeah. Um, Lionel. It was kind of a Lionel. stupid first name. Lionel, yeah. It was a stupid first name. No <laughs> offense to Lionel Richie. Do we have a lot of listeners named Lionel? Uh, we're going to have one who's going to write in and say, I'm not listening anymore because you said it was a stupid first yeah. name. I don't think it's that bad of a name, Lionel. No, it's fine. It's, I, I like Lionel. But uh, I he actually, doesn't, look, I actually, he doesn't I, look like a Lionel. Yeah. So that, uh, Do you think Lionel he, could come back? Because Lionel was popular. I don't think it's that popular right now. Do you think like, uh, you know, our, we could our, see like, the Dr. Kids, Templeton bump. Our kids are going to have no, not from Dr. Templeton, but like our maybe Lionel Richie. I, don't I think know. if there was a Lionel Richie bump, I think it would have happened already. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So if not Dr. Templeton, we have to wait for the next great Lionel. Remember when like the Cole Richie was way more famous than Lionel Richie? Now, like you, I could not even tell me what she's doing. <sighs> yeah, I feel like she's doing something. Uh, I'm sure but, she's doing great. I'm sure she's got like eight zillion followers on Instagram. Yeah. Like uh, is she married to somebody big? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, no, I think she is. That sounds familiar. Uh, that she is married to musician Joel Madden. Oh, one of the good Charlotte guys. Yeah, I feel yeah. like uh, that's pretty neutral. So there you go. Uh, she doesn't look anything like what she used to. I mean, I don't even like remember. I mean, yeah, I guess she was five million followers on Twitter. That's pretty good. Yeah, and she invented post its. That's her. Uh, that's her bio. She didn't invent post-its. Stop it. Well, I, but people don't lie in their bios. Yeah. Um, why? What did she tweet about? She's a star on Great News, the NBC sitcom. Who knew? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know she was like a TV star. There you go. So we move into the uh, the wake or what, what would you call the service for Kenny Funkhauser? Yeah, not a wake. Well, first of yeah. all, wake is is like if the body was there. Yeah, the casket is there. We don't yeah. know what condition it's in. It's the service. I mean, that's pretty much uh, par for the course for Seinfeld Kirby enthusiasm is it's just sort of like the person's picture is on an easel and then a bunch of people are gathered together. Yeah, we between the Seinfeld diverse like Seinfeld and Kerb, this is like 20, the 20th funeral. Mm <laughs> hmm. So service service. All right. So for some reason, Richard Lewis did not observe the reserve sign. He needs to sit close to the bathroom. He's got a problem with his urinary tract. Yeah. A bad job by by the Clem dog, not not reserving the, the seat for Larry. Right. after He took 20 bucks. Keeve, doesn't this seem like a missed opportunity to have Richard Lewis uh, in the short fly pants where he has this urinary tract issue, which involves him needing to get to the bathroom? Yeah, if he had said like, yeah, I to, yeah, I got to get there and it takes me 20 minutes to do my zipper. No, Larry, that, Larry needs to gift Richard Lewis the short fly pants and, ah. and, and to, to really get him back get for making him mm. wait too long. That makes sense. Yeah. And then Richard Lewis, uh, the joke will be on him when he has to uh, wet himself. Yeah. No, that's actually not a bad thing. 
<laughs> maybe that's next week's episode <laughs> maybe that's coming this season i hope i didn't spoil it for anybody okay uh so um we then see larry trying to find a seat uh really disrupting the whole service of poor kenny funkhauser who you know was kind of a jerk when uh he could not uh you know um be master he was of his mean own to domain the, he was mean to yeah it was mean to the maid but but again that was he had reason to be mad right he had just broken his shoulder maybe his baseball career was over right and he was a kid Right. You know, high school senior. He, he had hope. Couldn't go lefty. You know, I, I, I feel like Kenny Funkhauser had a great future ahead of him. It's very sad that he met his demise in this way. Yeah. And so uh, Larry ends up like yelling at a woman who is crying at the service. It's very strange. There's, Can there's you nothing, no payoff. And yeah. it's also like you like you think. See, this sort of goes with the theory of like we're, we're almost like rooting against Larry this season. Mm-hmm. Because like this is just like totally inexplicable behavior. I mean, I kind of got it. Why you you're on Larry's side here? <laughs> I mean, it was it was funny. It was funny, but like you agree with his behavior? You think <laughs> I mean, it's I like- wouldn't I wouldn't do it. I was watching uh, the episode this morning and then my son woke up and uh, he was like, well, why, "Why is that lady crying, dad? Why is he why is he telling her to be I'm like, "Uh, uh yeah, she's sad. She's sad about something." Yeah, you don't want to start talking about death. That's like yeah, a I didn't want to talk about Kenny Funkhauser and the prostitute or anything. Yeah, no, no. yeah, there was no, <laughs> there was no show. part of this story that I could explain. All right, my wife came in when I was watching one of the episodes. She's like, "It's too much cursing in this show," <laughs> and then probably started cursing at me about something. <laughs> right. So that being said, Keeve, uh, Larry mm. sees someone and he mistakes him for being part of the uh, fatwa. Yeah, he was just wearing like uh, I don't know some sort of funky hat. Mm-hmm. Right. Is it like Turkish? I don't know what it was, but yeah, he thinks he's part of the he thinks he's part of the fatwa, and really he's just a guest of uh, one of the mourners, and uh, all hell breaks loose. Yeah, Larry ends up yelling out uh, fatwa. He's got a gun, and uh, mass pandemonium breaks out. Yeah, but like a pretty funny scene of just total chaos, and then like you say, they eventually stomp, stomp on Kenny Funkhauser's picture. Right. And Larry somehow is like the last person to get out. And then somebody says, yeah. uh, you know, that's my friend, you idiot. Right. And and Funkhauser's not nearly mad enough at Larry no. after this. No. Yeah, I mean, he's a good sport about everything, uh, Funkhauser. <laughs> I feel like you shouldn't be a good sport about this, but yeah. No, no. Okay. And then uh, finally, we see with Jeff and Susie getting a tour of one of the houses that they had been through earlier in the episode. Jeff is eating a cookie. And uh, that they're getting this uh, tour of the house and Jeff is signaling to the real estate agent to wrap it up quickly. They end up taking an elevator to the master bedroom. Susie is sort of, I guess, implying so that she knows something is up and she ends up taking the house. Yeah, buying it. I wonder if that's going to like the next episode. We're going to be in this house or another episode this season. Or, yeah, maybe that Jeff is sort of like overextended now because Susie wants to buy There's a lot house. Of, do you think she fired the foisted assistant already? She must. Oh, have, I think right? so. Yeah, she must like have. the lesbian wedding. We haven't come back to Susie's wedding. We haven't like kids wedding. We haven't come back to. I wonder like if any of these things are going to pay off. In what the about last Brian Cranston? You think Dr. Templeton is back at all this season? No, I think you get Cranston, you get him for one episode. He's not coming back. You don't think he could be is back it possible for, say, that the there's finale? One scene in the finale yeah. that everyone comes back and sure that they actually like film in a random time. Mm-hmm. That is possible, but it, it, I don't think we'll see Cranston again. No. Okay. Um, and then I guess uh, somewhat similarly, but not exactly. Uh, Larry is then shopping with uh, Dr. Templeton for chairs. They see a chair that they like, 
And uh, Dr. Templeton says uh, that it's a little pricey and then sticks Larry with the bill. Keeve, boy, Larry David really uh, taking a beating uh, in the financial department, having to pay uh what a fifteen hundred dollars for a chair for the therapist i mean listen he's rich he doesn't have any kids in 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 this show so he's doing okay right i mean that's i mean that uh if i mean if if larry had to buy the house for you know he's like oh uh that's gonna be you know a hefty cost but for i mean larry for to buy the easy chair uh larry could buy a thousand of those uh like goodbye i think it's just like an etiquette thing i don't think he's gonna cry that much remember larry would get upset about a nickel it's not it's the principal so the fifteen hundred dollars also the principal of the of the therapist probably charging him for his time which he probably didn't realize Mm -hmm. and charging him for the chair right also i think this scene should have gone before the funeral because i think of the funeral is the final scene where it's like a kind of Urkel, like, did I do that with the uh, Fatwa guy? I think that's a funnier, more memorable ending. You're right. Uh, I, I would probably, I would do that also. And I also would say that the Jeff and Susie, Susie saying, I'll take the house, I think also. Uh, but I guess the, the show has to end on Larry. I mean, it could end on Susie. I don't think that's the craziest thing anyone's ever said. But I think the funeral, that would be like more memorable. Like, oh, the episode that ends. Yeah. The there are chaotic scenes like the rest, the final scene of the restaurant season. they're a little similar to this but yeah i think that's the way to go with this episode okay all right keith so what do we need to break down next uh like the the jets three and four season no no what do we do we do the uh the storylines we give the storylines great no no we don't do storylines we'll just give the episode a grade okay all right you go first there's not uh, enough numbers high enough keith 10 (laughs) no come on from zero to 10 um, what 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 should the what should sort of the uh, metric be for this episode? Okay, uh, zero to ten tiddlywinks. Zero to ten tiddlywinks. This one, I, I mean, it was good. The, the ending I thought was uh, you know, could was I uh, was great. I loved it. Maybe it could have been a little bit better. Maybe I could have loved it more. Uh, I'll say uh, it was a seven. Okay, I'm gonna go a little higher than you. I'm gonna go with uh. Yeah, I felt. I, first of all, if I was rating the episodes this season, I'd say the pilot, then this one, then two, then three. The pilot, then this one, then two, then three. Not the pilot. The season premiere last week was definitely the worst so far. The first one was definitely the best. Then two, and then four, then four. I don't know. Well, I, yeah, one, one, two, four, three. That's yeah, one, two, four, three, or one, four, two, three. Either one is fine. I think. Um, or I'm gonna go seven point five two five zero. Now, you, now you're just being ridiculous. Well, we're making a decimal every week. Yeah okay all right keith let's get into our mailbag of course you can email the show every week curb at postshowrecaps.com uh craig from vancouver wants to know how did Susie guess that something was going on between jeff and the real estate agent was it just that the real estate agent looked hot and that's why jeff was with her so much because he was having sex with her again i think that it speaks to okay jeff is a pervert Susie knows this I, I don't know if she knew that they were having sex. I, I think I think she's just guessing. She's playing her chips right. And she backed Jeff into a corner. Craig also says, also, the real estate agent is actress Amanda Walsh, which gives me some serious flashbacks as she was a VJ for Much Music, uh, Canadian MTV, when I was a preteen. She's most famous for playing the role of Penny in The Big Bang Theory before being replaced with uh, Kelly Cuoco. When the pilot was reshot. Now, Keeve, I bet you think she probably dodged a bullet as a uh, known Big Bang no. Theory hater. No, come on. I, I'm not a fan of the show, but 
I think at this point she'd be making you know, like uh, 1.5 million per episode. Oh, she's out a hundred million dollars because of yeah, that. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think she dodged a bullet. Rob. I think the opposite. She like, is unnamed real estate agent on Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> Probably her biggest clip. Yeah, no. Uh, hopefully, much music residuals are still rolling in because. And again, she was recast, so like maybe the show would have been bad with her and off the air after one season. No offense, Amanda Walsh. No offense. No offense. Okay. All right, uh, sure Keeve, what does uh, Shmi have to say? Uh, Shmi says, uh, about six months ago, I started listening to your Seinfeld podcast and finally caught up with you guys. Great decision. Yes, it's been a great ride and a wonderful thing to listen to when washing dishes, doing other random mundane tasks. I haven't watched an episode of Seinfeld in 10 years, but I remember every little joke from watching them on VHS when I was a little kid. Anyway, this week's episode of Curb was a great example of how this show can sometimes go too far. Larry's character is usually insane and evil, but in a way that has some logic behind it. So you could wrap your head around why he's acting that way. However, there is absolutely zero real or fake logic in shushing the crying lady in the funeral. It doesn't even make any sense that Larry cares enough to hear what Funkhouse has to say, but as that nephew to shush anyone, let alone, a crying, let alone a crying woman. That's not a bad point that I think the crying is bothering him. I don't think he cares what Funkhouse say about, about little fun. This just pokes any residual realism out of the scene. Why do they do this? Isn't Larry enough of an a-hole by doing the very logical actions of killing the kid? I don't think he murdered the kid, by the way. Mm. He just introduced him to someone who we tried to impress. The, the, I mean, he the had bull. more to do with this kid dying than George had to do with Susan dying. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny because Seppenwall literally argued the other way in uh, in his in his article today. Yeah, he said, like, it's not it's not like George, who was I actually think you're wrong. George picks out toxic animal, but your George was more directly involved, but less at fault. No, right? he didn't Larry know that the envelopes were going to kill. Hires him. a prostitute, which yeah, is prostitute which is illegal. The prostitute and then, didn't kill him. And, and, he just and, tried to impress her. Hold on, and the bull who gored him. Killed hold on, Larry <laughs> introduces a seventeen-year-old high school senior to a prostitute, and then. He ends up going off and ends up sort of like sending him on this collision course with death. George was a cheap ass who happened to buy he if George would have known that the glue in those envelopes was toxic, he would have bought slightly more expensive and non-toxic envelopes. I th- he at least considers buying the toxic envelopes for Susan. He considered he didn't want to go through with the wedding. I think. This is the perfect crime. Mm-hmm. But we, there is no indication. George is relieved, but there is no indication yeah. that there was intent. Jubilant relief. Yes. Jubilant relief. Uh, I think that George is much less at fault than Larry, who commits a crime it's actually a good, it's by a good debate, soliciting honestly. a process. I mean, George does not yeah. commit a crime. Right. No, George didn't. George did not know that he was just being cheap. And not only does Larry commit a crime, he also, you know, uh, arranges for a minor uh, that we assume to be a minor. Uh, If not, it's very dicey. uh, You know, he was a senior, so he's probably 18. Well, he he could be 18, but he could very easily be be 17. Could be 17. Sure. Um, I think that, first of all, where are Lil Funk's parents here? I mean, they're letting his, their kid run off to Pamplona with a prostitute. I mean, mm-hmm. bad job by bad job by the little funks. Yeah. OK. All right. Um, but to speak to this, you know, that uh, this was what I was trying to get at last week with, you know, Larry goes into a kitchen and over the disturbance in the kitchen is just like uh, is just like uh, tearing into somebody 
over tell me what this is and really just like again i that it's unclear often like that larry is you know is i i feel like that the idea is that he's all of us but mm-hmm. we have seen uh specifically in this season and i haven't done a curb rewatch so i don't know if that's there throughout the whole series if that larry has just become you know a monster he's very funny but is yeah. larry david a monster right is some of the things he's doing now are not relatable anymore mm-hmm. uh right at Eastwood McFly asks, does Curb feel busier than usual? We're, we're repeating Seinfeld storylines. Tuck, no tuck, the funeral. Hello. Yeah, I do think that the tone is is like 5% off from, from previous seasons. Right. The show shot a little differently. Uh, it feels a little rushed, like maybe that they filmed scenes in like five days instead of seven, like an episode. Yeah. It feels a little rushed, honestly. We could be a little bit tired. Like why'd they use that take? Like, oh, you know. Like certain times, like, hey, you know, that's weird that they use that take. There's like a weird thing there. Like in the first episode where like there was like overt laughing, you know, mm-hmm. inappropriately to some improv line. Right. I, I do think there's probably like one or one and a half things in each episode that we say, why is that even in there? Why, you know, it yeah. just seems like that it's. Uh, I think the transgender thing in this episode, unless it's setting up something else, was an insane decision that could have backfired. If, if people were really culturally paying attention and writing a ton of recaps, I think people would have been annoyed today at like Larry, you know, I, 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 it wasn't worth it unless, unless it's really going to be a big story. Right. I don't think that episode. took up that much time, but you're right. If it you're going, if you're going like, to go just, there, it better be the funniest yeah. joke in the world. The funniest joke in the world. And it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the short fly stuff, I feel like, uh, did not add a lot and we didn't ultimately get a big, other than to the get, Leon thing was pretty amazing. That was <laughs> JB smooth saying that like, you know, right. dunking it in and right. That, that's pretty funny. Right. Uh, you know, the, the Richard Lewis art gallery, like, I, I mean, you could have picked any one of these things and, and nobody would have missed it. Yeah. Okay. Anybody else in the mailbag? Chester. Chester says, why is the crowd at Kenny's Memorial made up entirely of his uncle's friends? He's a high school kid. Yet there's no one under the age of 40 in that room. That's not a bad point. Yeah. Maybe they had a separate service for the kids at the school. Yeah, I think there's a grown you know, up. A grown up uh, also, funeral. I think it's too depressing when you have like, yeah. uh, you know, a hundred uh, high school His kids whole high sobbing. school class. Yeah, right. for sure. That, that That's not so funny. Right. And then Jester says, what's with curb killing characters off screen anyway? Is this like Game of Thrones and they're saving their budget for the big battle scene in episode nine? Why, who else died off screen in this season? Wells has died this season. Um, I, I just maybe he's just referring to to this episode, but I, I I mean, what do you want them to freaking go to Pamplona and and rent out the that thing where they run with the bulls and right. and have a bull gore him and like with CGI? That's not this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably not. Okay, all right. A lot of telling off screen is a staple of Seinfeld that that goes into Curb. Just telling the crazy story <laughs> sometimes instead of showing. Yeah. All right, uh, Keeve. There we have it. Yes. Boom. Yeah. Running with Four the down, six to go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Next week, a standalone episode, supposedly. No fatwa stuff. So no we'll fatwa. That, so what? What is? What's? Do we have any uh, idea what it is? I don't I, know. I, I didn't just, watch the preview. I, I, I didn't watch the preview, but I know when Sepinwall reviewed the pilot, he said they also showed the fifth episode. Be, sent him the fifth episode because it was a standalone that had nothing to do with fatwa stuff. Okay. So we'll see what happens there. Kids, we have a good hashtag today. Hashtag fleek. The word you invented. No, I think there's too many fleeky things in the hashtag. Something about tiddlywinks. Uh, how about, well, we didn't say it. We, I'm just saying it now, but something about like podcaster, podcastee confidentiality. 
podcaster, <laughs> podcasty. Uh, what was the other thing that you said that you uh, had to explain to me? Oh, SCN. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, fine. Podcast season. Podcast SCN. <laughs> well, well give me the now. context of why people are using SZN. It's everything is season. Everything is it's like, oh, it's this season. It's that season. Okay. And this isn't an abbreviation for like the uh, Rick and Morty Szechuan uh, sauce. No, it's not Szechuan sauce. Although gotcha. it is Szechuan sauce season also, or it was until McDonald's <laughs> messed up. Okay. All right. I've never been more out of a controversy because I've, I've only seen like five minutes of Rick and Morty mm-hmm. and I've never been in a McDonald's and I barely know what Szechuan sauce is. So I feel like this whole thing went so over my head. It was over your head. Okay. All right. Um, so we'll see. Uh, people are using it a lot for uh, astronomy. Uh, like it's what? Scorpio season. Szechuan? Oh, Scorpio season? Yeah, yeah. That, that might be it. Okay. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a Libra. What are you? I'm a Libra too. Oh, look at us. We're both Libras. We're Libra boys. Yeah. There you go. All right. Because, wow. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you so much, Keith. All right. Uh, Thanks so much to Scott St. Pierre for putting this all together. Uh, Keith, what's going on on the 32 Fans podcast? I think since we last spoke, we we released maybe our our most ambitious episode to date. The 33rd Fan, a a podcast documentary. You were very uh, complimentary of the documentary. Um, and people had very nice things to say. I feel like if I had any idea how to look at metrics for a show in terms of how many people listened, I'm, I think a lot of people listen, but I have no idea how to check. You guys did um, a fantastic job, and yeah. I really appreciate it. And I, I, I am, you were part of it. You yes, were on there. I want, I want more content like this. Uh, I would be. I know. To- listen, it's it's hard because you know uh, Huna Alexander Chester is right. very hard. No, because I have a list day. of people on Twitter. That I would like uh, you to uh, go oh, you through and like, very similar because I will say Chester and I had a really big argument. I'm actually not speaking to Chester's wife right now. We're in a fight. I also threatened to bring the podcast up to three times per week to her because if she if she didn't apologize to me because she called me dumb because we had an argument. Um, One of our friends was I, when I met with when I met up with Chester a few weeks ago in person. One of my friends came with me and he was talking about all these girls and Chester said uh, he's never been with any of these girls like he's making it up. And Chester's wife concurred and we had a big fight about this. And then I said, OK, this is the next documentary. Like, has this guy ever, you know, ever gone like past one date with any of these girls? <laughs> and we had a whole fight about it. And they like were so mad that I've even considered that he had, even though like they've been to my house. And like, and we got into a fight about it, and his wife called me dumb, and so now wait, who whose side that, that she's on the side of that Chester has dated? They, the- but no, not Chester. Sorry, my idiot friend, the third party. Okay, brought over these girls. Right, says that he was like, you know, uh, he has a different girlfriend every night or something right. like that. And so they said, like, no, he 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 looks like you, Akiva, and he uh, he looks like and, you, and Akiva. He, they, that's they well, they really said think that we look alike. No, but people do. When we walk down the street, people think we're brothers. We get it. Everything okay. down the street. And and uh, so no, they said like, oh, this is you know, it's not possible that that like a girl's ever been in the same room with him. And I said, no, it is, it is possible. It's it, you know, I've met them. Yeah. And and they're they what thought he was I was a whore for even believing it that he was buying a house. Yeah. With the girls. Yeah. No, that's that is a move he would for sure pull. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so we got into a big argument about it. It's probably not going to be the second episode. But if if people do have ideas for the second yeah i've got uh, a list episode. of twitter accounts Send that i want list. you to go through and <laughs> dox and, and 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 uh and do a documentary on who they really are 
I will say that the 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 subjects, should they be real of the 33rd fan documentary are not mad at us, which I'm very happy about. I yeah. thought they'd be you annoyed, played right but... into their hands. Yeah, we played into their hands. They wanted the attention <laughs> and they got it. <laughs> and I don't, it's funny because we neither of us know what's real and what's not. It's not like there's no. an answer. And like some of the things on the show that I thought were fake, like Chester messaging all his Facebook friends. He really did. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought that was a joke. But he really sent like 20 of the guy's Facebook friends like, hey, how do you know this person? Right. To try and get to the bottom of it. So even I was, uh, you know, learning new information from the show. And so this week we uh, we went back to the basics and talked about week eight of the NFL. OK. All right. Um, all right. You got to, you know, go back to, uh, the, the, you know, what works. Well, you can't hit a home run every week. Some week you just got to hit a single. Yeah. Okay. Or strike out. All right. Well, uh, great stuff. Look forward to getting into the bottle episode uh, next week here on the Curb Poster Recap. Of course, you can subscribe and we appreciate your feedback and star ratings at postshowrecaps.com slash curb. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.